Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. We have exceed, exceeded right by everybody. Uh, we have some common sense people in, in the studio. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have uh, Ed Cox. And we have uh, Governor... Uh, David Patterson. The David Patterson. Mm-hmm. And on my side here, Lydia Saroni, and and we got a, a a good show today. Stand by. We have John Solomon. Then we have uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle is calling in, and Ernie Priot to find out what's going on in Pennsylvania. Michael Goodwin, Lou Dobbs, Bert Flickinger, and Dr. Mark Siegel. Uh, Lydia, what's up? We have some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And on the line with us right now with that breaking news is John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us? A major change of guard underway in Washington, D.C. And no, not just the Republicans taking over the House, but Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker, and her majority leader, Steny Hoyer, are both stepping down. They will not run for re-election. That clears away for a much younger generation of leaders to rise to the top of the House leadership. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, a young congressman, is likely to be the next uh, Democratic leader in the House, but a major change there. Uh, And both Hoyer and Pelosi are going to stay in Congress, but not as leaders, uh, a real big changing of the guard. And interestingly, that changing of the guard actually will be keep liberals at the top of this party, not the more moderate wing of the party. Hakeem Jeffries really on the... the, uh, a young, youthful, and energetic far left side of the party. So a a change in personalities, but not a change in direction for the Democratic Party. John Solomon, I just saw this story come across that Republicans say they are going to push ahead with a Hunter Biden probe, despite some warnings from within. What do you know about this? I see that uh, Comer and uh, Jim Jordan, they're the one, they're two high ranking members expected to helm the powerful committees when Republicans take control of the Congress in January. Yeah, so uh, not much doubt that they're going to. Uh, James Comer was uh, on me on television with me just a few days ago. He plans to subpoena Hunter Biden and James Biden, compel testimony and documents, he says. Uh, and they had a press conference today and reaffirmed that, that they believe that the investigation of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden must go on because there is clear evidence that Joe Biden lied li- to the American people, that he was directly involved in his son's business operations and was a financial beneficiary of some of the foreign funds that flowed this way. So they made that one of their top priorities. I thought a more important moment in that news conference was when Jim Jordan, soon to be the House Judiciary Committee chairman, formally accused the FBI of meddling in not one, not two, not three, but four elections. He said when they they opened up the uh, fake Russia collusion investigation in 2016, they meddled in 2018 when they didn't finish up the uh, Robert Mueller uh, investigation, even though they had no evidence of Russia collusion that meddled in the 2018 election. In 2020, they suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop, pressuring um, uh, uh, social media not to allow people to talk about the uh, Hunter Biden laptop. And then raiding President Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound one day before the ban on uh, Justice Department political activity before election. In all four of those cases, that constituted the United States government putting their thumb on the election and a pretty strong accusation against an agency that this man will soon oversee as House Judiciary Committee chairman. John, you know a lot of FBI agents. We'd say like 99 percent of them are good, hardworking people. 
Uh, what 99% of them are, and uh, what I hear uh, is uh, the individual territories, uh, New York, New Jersey, Harrisburg, uh, are all 99.9% honest. Mm -hmm. uh, the Washington division, they tell me, that is under the direct control of, uh, right. uh, of Washington and mm -hmm. the Department of Justice, so and they they've created almost their own squad over there. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very accurate description. And if you look at what the now twenty whistleblowers have told Jim Jordan, Chuck Grassley, uh, and Ron Johnson, those twenty whistleblowers that have gone to those three members of Congress, almost all of them finger the Washington field office, just like John said, as being the source of the politicization of many of the cases now, that they're most. If you about. remember. Uh, when they uh, went down to Mar-a-Lago, it wasn't the Florida FBI that did it. That's right. It was the squad from Washington. That's 100% right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's a big bullseye around the Washington field office. Interestingly, the number especially, one... The number especially two, picked as an attack squad. Yeah. Well, number one, number two officials in that office are remarkably resigning and not going to be there when House Republicans begin to compel testimony. I don't think they'll get away without testifying, but the, the special agent in charge and the uh, assistant special agent in charge have both stepped down and retired or moving towards retirement. Uh, so there's a, a change of leadership about to go there. Now the question is, will there be a change of culture? John Solomon, Title 42, that's that policy, the Trump era policy that also Biden used in order to expel migrants. That's going away in about five weeks. So we should be seeing a huge influx of migrants coming into our country. What are you hearing on the grounds? Uh, absolute uh, exhaustion from the Border Patrol agents. By the way, a terrible tragedy today. Three Border Patrol agents were shot trying to board a smuggling vessel outside of Puerto Rico. More loss, more suffering for the great men and women of the Border Patrol today. But uh, I had the uh, both the union chief and the deputy union chief for the Border Patrol Agents Union, and they said Title 42's removal will create outer chaos at a border that's already extremely chaotic and dangerous. It will take a away one more tool that will uh, prevent Border Patrol agents from sending people back to their home countries, particularly dangerous people, other people very concerned about this uh, uh, on top of all the other things that we already know that are going on uh, at the border. Uh, and very important thing, when you take a look at the October numbers, which just got released, nine suspected terrorists in a single month across the border. What does that tell you? The bad guys think it's easier and easier to get into this country, and they're trying more and more frequently. Uh, in the in fiscal 22, which ended in September, 98 suspected terrorists got across the border. To put that in perspective, that's more, double more, than the total number in the four years that Donald Trump oversaw border security. So a lot of concerns that maybe the next terrorist cell has already crossed the border and in, in a position to cause harm in this great country. Again, how does it happen? And, and we only got 30 seconds left. What do you, we can answer it next time. Is Arizona, a border state, all the criminals coming through, all the drugs coming through. How did they vote Democratic? Uh, you know, I asked the Border Patrol Union what they said. The candidates here spent too much time talking about stolen elections and not enough saying what they would do for the border. They called it a problem of messaging by the candidates. That's from the Border Patrol Union chief. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on and keep telling the American people the truth. And that's. 
That's the important thing. Thank you, guys. It really makes you wonder why not just leave the remain in Mexico policy. Now we're going to see what Judge Weinberg, 18,000 migrants coming across our border every single day. The number they project with the rescission of Title 42 in the next five weeks is it will be 18,000 a day. Can you imagine that? The chaos is in cause of this country, the risk of the fentanyl, the cartels, the uh, terrorists. I mean, are we totally out of our minds? What is wrong with the Biden administration and not enforcing the border security and not reinstating Remain in Mexico? Trump had well, exactly I mean, right. The question is, what is the Congress? Now the Republicans have the Congress. What can the Congress do about it? At this point, they barely have the House, but what they, they barely can do have the House. is investigate, investigate, investigate. And that's what they can do. Well, one thing I want to make clear is those people that are coming across the border through those those open passages, they're not coming in illegally. This is they're coming in lawfully. They become illegal when they don't go back when they're supposed to, if their asylum claims are denied. Governor Patterson, you're the resident Democrat in here as well. Do you think that the remain in Mexico policy or remain whatever country you're from makes sense versus just having the people here and then hoping they'll show up for court and then hoping they'll go back home if their claims are denied? Well, clearly it's not working now, so I don't see it getting any better. Nobody, nobody ever showed up for court. No, no of course I not. Mean, and, that's how, a, and then they become illegal. Listen, they give you a piece of paper, say, come back, and say, thank you very much, and they disappear. And the same way, the, if, if somebody gets caught with a gun in New York, they, exactly. give, you, they, they give you a ticket. Did they give you your gun back? I think you got to pick it up no. on the way out. Oh, and on the line with us right now, we have uh, Kimberly Gulfoil, journalist. Gulfoil, not Gulfoil. <laughs> Gulfoil, Gulfoil. Kimberly, I know her as Kimberly. She's beautiful. She's smart. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Kimberly. Very good to be with you guys. I love it. Thank you for that shout out. Um, you know, I'll answer to just about anything decent these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, you were you were at the big announcement the other night, and uh, I yeah. have to tell you, uh, uh, the president was very, very presidential. Uh, he didn't call out anybody uh, uh, by any names. Uh, who got that accomplished? <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, you know, he was really um, in a very good mood and happy and focused. And I I just think he felt like his instincts are the best in politics. This was the way to go. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that, John Katz. I think you're going to be very happy. Um, I was thrilled. I think it was one of my favorite speeches that he's delivered. And I have been on the road with him since he left the White House nonstop. So was Don Jr. And we were both like, wow, that was Fantastic. So I, he I was very it. good. He was very good. Yeah. He was very presidential. Like uh, I have always told them that. And you have always told them that. Uh, yeah. Be presidential. Forget about. Listen, uh, you won in 2016 the other way. But that was a one time deal. Now you have to be the president. Yes, because he was the president and now he has all that experience behind him. And now people want to see that, especially with all the division and vitriol um, that's been going on in the country. We need to rebuild. He believes and knows, and I'm confident that he can build it back very quickly um, from where he had it. I mean, he knows he has all of that experience. There is no guessing about what his capabilities or his skill set or, you know, the policies and that he's going to put forward on his platform. We know already. We know that he's delivered for the American people with the economy, with infrastructure, with manufacturing, national security, foreign policy. 
securing the border. The list goes on and on. And the juxtaposition between what the Trump administration was able to accomplish and the complete abyss of hell that has been created by the Biden administration is just staggering. He should run on that record. Be focused. There's no need. Yeah. For any name called. How about this? He just talked about restoring America and making it glorious and safe. You know, once again, that's what people want to hear. So it was very uplifting. And it just goes to show you, you know, just when you think, you know, and you've seen it all with him, he always gives you something else that surprises you. And I think that was just a great surprise and a welcome one for the American people. Well, I've said uh, I was on Fox the other day and I said, look, uh, he could be as good as or better than Ronald Reagan. Uh, he was wow. uh, very well respected. Uh, every world leader respected him. Yes. Uh, and, That's and, what America was safe for, John, because and, we didn't, you know, these guys, what's going on here with, you know, Russia and Ukraine and North Korea? And it's insane. This stuff did not happen when Trump was in office, but they know there's an empty suit in the White House. I don't see how that guy's going to be able to even run or do anything against Trump. Kamala Harris is abysmal. And I will tell you this. President Trump will win the primary and he will win the general election. I don't see anybody on the bench on the other side, including Gavin Newsom, that can hold a candle. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my husband. Ex-husband. Somebody asked me uh, if uh, Gavin Newsom won for president. Is Kimberly going to go back? Yeah, right. Is she insane? <laughs> Kimberly, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think so. That's the definition of insanity. But let me tell you something. Kimberly's going to make sure, gonna make sure that Trump wins and nobody else. So God won't even have to worry about that. Kimberly, we were talking before about California and how the rest of America, they're trying to Californianize it. You see the companies, they're leaving in droves, the drug addicts, the homelessness, the taxes are out of control. Is that what Democrats really want to do to the rest of the country? We're seeing how it's such a failure in California. Yeah, we're seeing it's a failure in California and, quite frankly, in all of the blue states. Okay, so it's a complete disaster. We've seen it time and time again. John, we've talked about it. Just the rampant crime, what we've seen happen in like Philly and Chicago and California. I mean, it's terrible. My my, uh, younger brother was in San Francisco today um, traveling for his job, and he was sending me so many pictures that you cannot believe how bad it is here. And it's just sad. It's devastating. You know, the American people deserve better than that. And, you know, we just got to continue to give them reasons to vote for President Trump, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a conservative, whether you're a, a liberal, whether you're an independent, a moderate, a libertarian. I don't care. We want all the votes, you know. And as you know, we're going to have to run up the score big time or bigly, as Trump says, because, you know, the ballot harvesting that occurs on the other side, getting union members to come in, harvest ballots in Nevada, Arizona. You know, that's how elections get lost. And we have to play smarter and better than the other side. And we have to have great candidates like President Trump. As you well know, John, this guy is like tireless. You know, nobody can outwork him. I know because we left the White House. It was like, well, no, uh, not a week off, not two days off, zero days off. And he was just 
back yeah. at it again. And he has that tenacity um, and that drive. And in a good way, that stubborn will to just make sure he feels like this is a calling, that the American people deserve it, that this race is about them and that he has no choice but to step in and do this for them. And I, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Don Jr. Yeah, well, it's up to him. The only, but the only person that could beat Donald Trump is Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. He's that good. He should just run against himself, and that way, uh, Trump <laughs> yeah. will win. <laughs> okay. Now, the the uh, the, the I, I've been talking to a couple of world leaders and world delegations of countries, and uh, Ukraine would have never happened if Donald Trump was president. Yeah, I, I, Putin, I thousand Putin percent didn't have agree. the guts to go against Donald Trump, and yeah, Afghanistan, exactly. we would have had a more civil exit. If we're going to exit and we wouldn't have lost the, the, the biggest base in the world that the United States had uh, 80 miles is it 80 miles from the border of China. I mean, how can we give up that base and 85 billion dollars in equipment and equipment, which literally physically and mentally pains the president to this day. He talks about it all the time. It is so shameful, especially with what he was able to accomplish. And then Biden just let it all go to waste. I mean, there wouldn't be, there would not be before the civilians. A hundred thousand Americans would not have died with fentanyl coming through the Mexican borders. Thank you. It's absolutely disgusting what they're doing. So here somebody, on somebody, it's Americans. on somebody's shoulders that a hundred thousand Americans had died because of that fentanyl coming through the Mexican borders. I mean, yeah, through the poorest border, it's nothing but crime and drugs, killing and poisoning Americans, and we're just allowing it. You know, Mexico's complicit in it. China's complicit in it. Um, you know, President Trump took this very seriously. He's spoken about it in every public address that he has given in private conversations. He is adamant to do something about this. And when you have that kind of drive, that passion, and also just, you know, the outrage that he feels that this is what's happened after all the work that, you know, we did as America to pull together and get things done for this country. And now we've got to go clean up the mess that, you know, Joe Biden and his administration made. It's just, it's like they're playing for the other team. Every single thing they do has caused destruction and ruin and divide in this country. I mean, it's, you can't even make this up. Like, look where the interest rates are. Look at gasoline prices. Look at the manufacturing and actual, like, antibiotic shortages in the country for kids. If you saw that today, can't get the amoxicillin. I mean, the whole thing is just insane. The lockdowns, very destructive to children and schools behind now in math and English and core subjects, um, you know, not to mention the lack of socialization. Like, we've got to play catch up. Uh, as a country, and we don't need a rookie or a novice in there or someone that's going to do further harm. We need a proven leader, someone who's strong and understands the economy, understands D.C. and Washington, and knows how to beat these guys every single day at their game. Well, Kimberly, thank you for coming on. And uh, look, you're, you're, you're by his side presidential and uh, and uh, do the right thing and uh, he'll be the next president again. John Katz, we're going to make you and your family proud. God bless and make you. make Americans proud. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Now we have Ernie Priot, Attorney General, uh, former Attorney General of, of uh, Pennsylvania, and something big happened yesterday. 
Now, what did they do? Uh, they impeached the district attorney of Philadelphia. Now, does that mean anything? Was that window dressing, Ernie? Well, it, uh, they voted yesterday. The Pennsylvania House voted 107 to 85 to impeach uh, Larry Krasner, the district attorney of Philadelphia, for not for committing any crime, but for they didn't like his policies, uh, and they were policies that that tended to allow people to escape prosecutions uh, for a variety of offenses in Philadelphia, and uh, also to free people, on the other hand, who had been improperly convicted. He had a conviction integrity unit that was one of the models in the nation. Uh, He also reformed the bail laws, which some people didn't like. But on the other hand, crime is up in Philadelphia substantially, and people were demanding that somebody do something about it. Now, Chester Bodine in San Francisco, uh, of course, he was he was recalled. We don't have recall in Pennsylvania. We don't have it. So the only way that the people could say you're not doing a good job is if you um, get impeached by the Pennsylvania House and then tried in the Pennsylvania Senate. Ernie, it's uh, Ernie, it's Judge Richard Weinberg under Pennsylvania law. How many votes do you need in the state Senate of Pennsylvania to convict and remove? Is it a two-thirds vote? It's just a majority, I think. Yes, it's a two-thirds vote, and the Republicans do not have two-thirds vote. They'd have to get Democrats to go along with them. But the bigger problem uh, is that there's not enough time. I, as I said, there's, there's only two weeks of legislative session between now and uh, uh, the end of the year. Uh, there's no way that you can prepare a trial uh, for of this magnitude in, in 30 days and have it done by the end of December. Can, can it so, be carried over into the new legislative session in January? No, it can't. And the problem with that is, and this is a good question, because the Pennsylvania House, which was all Republican for decades, just flipped today to Democrats. Today. So in other words, it's over. They're going to control the House, then they will never have an article of impeachment against Larry Krasner starting in January. So it means the game is over and Krasner stays in his DA in Philadelphia. The, 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 and you know what? I have to so it's all one one political game just to, just to razzle-dazzle. Well, you know, the man, listen to this. You know, uh, when you, you go for impeachment, you have to have some kind of crime. And, and you have to be able to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And But the voters are the ones... That have said last year, 2021, they elected him, re-elected him by 70 percent margin. Jesus so Christ! It's, it's, it's not. It's not like that. He's an unpopular district attorney. The people in the in the inner cities in the community they love him because he has stood up against what they consider police abuses and in improper convictions. So you have to you have to look at it both ways. I'm a defense attorney now. I used to be a prosecutor, yeah. And but and I like his conviction integrity unit. I like what he's doing to try to reform things. But the legislature has got to step in and do the do its job of reform and not let it just be a statement, a political statement against a guy who just got overwhelmingly elected last year. Well, Ernie Priot, former Attorney General of Pennsylvania, thank you for the input, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you, John, folks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Judge, you look disappointed. Well, because the fact of the matter is they impeach him. They don't have time for the trial. 
They need a two-thirds vote anyway. And they don't have and, it. And they don't have it. And then they go back in uh, January. But they go judge. back in January and have to start the process over again. And Ernie Priat, the former attorney general of Pennsylvania, is telling you they're not going to have the votes for impeachment in the, uh, the state House of Representatives. But, but so judge, the game is over. What, what, what is the basis of the impeachment? In other words, there are a number of people in government who I don't like, but I would well, never uh, have— Are you want me to give you a theory, Governor? It's a fair to carry your oath of office out. That's the theory. But, but your, your job is but, to carry out the oath of office. But your oath of office is, is, enforce the law. is subjective. It, it would well, be a different situation okay. depending on who got elected. Governor, got elected. respectfully, but, let me let me just give you this answer. Impeachment, by its very definition, and we know this from the Trump situation, is a political act. It's not a legal act. Remember, well, I mean, And I think it's symbolic. That's my problem with it. Even That's even it's my problem symbolic. with the second impeachment of President Trump. It was done for the political value of it. it. It was right before he was going out of office. I didn't think it was appropriate, and I don't think this one is either. Chairman Ed Cox? You know, look, if Krasner is very popular in his area, I don't think Bragg would be popular in the inner city here. Uh, uh, what do you think, Governor? Well, uh, Bragg won by a pretty decent vote. Bragg, in my opinion, wrote some things that he allowed to become public uh, but in the last year, you haven't really heard much from him. Uh, the issue over the worker who killed the person who was trying to rob his store. He went the wrong way on that one. Um, but he hasn't done anything that I think is outside the boundaries in in the last year. What about the guy Manuel Pagan who was busted with 20,000 fentanyl pills in New York City and they just charged him with possession and he just walked? He's not going to show up for court next month. Really? I, you don't think he's the honor system works? I don't. I think oh, okay. he's gone in the wind. How I, do you say that, John? Ooh, gone. He's gone. Well, you think he's going to show back up for court? Take no, you nobody, won't have to nobody worry shows about up. It. No, he can't. <laughs> show up to get a mandatory one year sentence. <laughs> right. And how could they only charge him with possession? They could have they charged under, they, uh, listen, yeah, yeah, they him. Listen, they undercharged He was undercharged. Let's be clear. He should have been charged much heavy on f- really felony Especially weight. with the amount of drugs that they felony. Called it's called felony weight. They should have charged him for felony weight. This was undercharged, and they could have held him in. So that's why people want to blame the bail reform. But in that case, it would be the district attorney's office who undercharged him. Correct, Judge? Sounds that way to me. Oh, well, here we go again. But I think, what do you think, Ed Cox? Do you think it was still effective, the fact that they wanted no, the, to look, impeach him? The, the, the it sends a message. basically got wiped out in Pennsylvania for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Start, starting with the governor, we just had a bad gubernatorial candidate and that went down to the senatorial candidate. And I'm and, just uh, surprised and, the way it all happened. And we're losing our, our majority in the uh, in the Pennsylvania House. And, uh, and I think this is just a pardon shot on their part. All right. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show in studio. Governor David Patterson, Ed Cox, Judge Weinberg, John Katz Matidis, and myself, Lydia Serrani. On the line with us right now, Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Pulitzer Prize winning writer. Michael Goodwin, you had such a great column. I know, Judge Weinberg, you're a big fan of it. Absolutely. Michael, I have to tell you something. That blame game that they're playing, that the crazy left is blaming Jay Jacobs, who warned right. them not to go crazy left on, on public safety and law and order, and they're blaming him. What do you say about that? Well, everybody needs a scapegoat, don't they? Um, the fact is, of course, as you say, Judge, that 
It was the Democratic policies, uh, which the far left has an inordinate uh, sway over, uh, that led Lee Zeldin to come close to victory and that uh, then propelled these four House seats to be flipped to the Republicans, as well as a couple of uh, legislative seats. So I think that, the, as I said in the column, um, if the far left is, is looking uh, for the culprit, they should just look in the mirror because it's their policies on crime, on on everything, inflation, uh, the, the tax structure in New York, the energy uh problems that New York is going to encounter because of all these restrictions. These are all homemade problems. And, and it's the Democrats who made those problems. And as I said in the column, look, I'm, I'm no fan of Kathy Ockels, but when she rejected uh, their demand, 1,100 people or so signed this letter calling for Jacobs to be ousted as the party leader. When she rejected that immediately, I thought that was potentially a good sign that she's not going to let the left push her around anymore the way they did, the way she basically let them do it uh, up to now. So we'll see. But I think it was it was for the right decision for her to stand her ground on that. Otherwise, the left is going to feel like, who is she? She's there to do what we tell her to do. So Mike, I think she needed to do what she did. Michael, Ed, Ed Cox here, and I, I loved your column about there's no end uh, to the blue state and the client here. And that's the real problem, isn't it? The legislature now has super majorities in both houses. Uh, and no matter what she would want, uh, they can they can run right over her. So what's going to what's going to prevent the New York state from continuing its decline? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> in short, uh, I think that you will have perhaps some help from a Republican House in the sense that uh, some federal Excuse me. Federal legislation could get blocked. That would make things even worse. But here at home, uh, I think that we're we're pretty much where we were. It's worse. They, of, uh, it's worse. There are new bills. They already have three new bills, Michael, that will get get it easier when you're in state prison to get out. Automatic reviews, age uh, limitations, and let people out. They're going to push this envelope and keep pushing this envelope. How about a $20 minimum wage? What's that going to do to people who want that first job? Well, it's, is it? I mean, this is the great Democratic game, right? Democrats raise the cost of living through inflation and taxes. And then, of course, we have to help the poor more. We have to give them higher minimum wage, which, of course, costs jobs, right? It kills jobs at the at the entry level. So their economic uh, ideas are are generally wrong, wrong, wrong. Their criminal justice ideas are wrong, wrong, wrong. Their energy policies are wrong, wrong, wrong. I mean, it's a little hard to get a fix on what it is these these Democrats uh, are going to do to make life better in New York. And again, Hochul seemed to have sent something that this did not go as planned. Now, of course, as I say, the, the left wants to blame Jacobs as though more of the same medicine that's killing you will make you better. But uh, I think that she, if, if we're lucky, she will at least draw a line somewhere. She will perhaps work with Mayor Adams on some of these bail issues, this, uh, this idea that uh, – that, you know, the judges don't have discretion to hold suspects on the basis of whether the judge believes a suspect is dangerous. 
Uh, I mean, that's insane. Forty nine other states in the federal system have that. But New York does not. Uh, You know, there's the raise the age that uh, recognizes that some of these 16 years old uh, young kids are acting as mules and even gunslingers themselves uh, for for the gangs. Uh, So there are things like that. There's also the I don't know whether everyone saw it, but there was a fascinating story in the Post and an editorial later about the Bronx DA's office. Yes. And one of the issues there, there's a threatened walkout by the by the line assistants, the assistant DAs, who are complaining that there's so many cases and they're overworked. And one of the one of the things, and this was another part of what all discovery. the mischief discovery. The discovery, that's right. It makes them do discovery to the nth degree in a very short period of time or the case gets thrown out. And so you don't have to be a a wizard to understand the impact of that, not just the cases that get thrown out because there aren't enough DAs, but think of the mentality of the DA. Well, look, I can't do all these cases, so we're going to have to drop the charges on these hundred so we can maybe maybe prosecute the other hundred. I mean, I think the, the... the triage that's taking place in the criminal justice system is undercutting any work that we expect the police to do uh, because so we can change the laws. But if as long as some of these things are crazy like this, you know, the police are not going to make the arrest because they know there's going to be no prosecution. And even if there's a prosecutor, the judge is going to say, well, my hands are tied. Uh, so it's up and down the line that I think these are things that Hoku could do and that Adam should demand. He was he was a willing and quiet partner and I think bent over too much to refrain from criticizing her during the election. Michael. But I don't know I mean he had leverage. He the, didn't the use up-ed his piece, leverage. The op ed piece that Eric Adams wrote. Give us your analysis. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I look, I, I just think that he he has not approached this in the right way. He has not been demanding enough and using his leverage as the mayor. Look, Kathy Hochul needed him. Look at the city vote. Right. Who didn't uh, who didn't come out? The city vote was down this year. Right. That's where she almost lost. I mean, it was it was in the city where she got 70 percent. Well, yeah. yeah, But but, uh, Lee got to 30 percent, which is very good for the city. I mean, you can't. You never win with 30 percent. I'm talking about raw numbers. The turnout in New York City was only, I believe, 36 percent this year. Yeah, it was down 10 percent. It was much higher. Yeah. And uh, I, I have uh, we just got some news uh, uh, from the mayor's office that he will be on uh, Sid's show, Sid Rosenberg's show tomorrow morning at 840. So we'll see what uh, Mr. Adams has to say tomorrow. Michael, uh, before you go, it's what's interesting to me is that a lot of the policies being pushed by some Democrats today are almost anathema to what we were trying to do years ago. In other words, Democrats were usually trying to make the equitable argument as opposed to setting a limit, an age limit by which you have to release prisoners no matter how they acted. That was really more the kind of thing we were fighting uh, back in the day as opposed to now. Well, David, you would be in a better position than almost anybody to know the difference between that Democratic Party and this one. Um, and, And there's 
in many cases, it's a generational gap, isn't it? I mean, you have you have this new generation of Democrats across the country. They don't, they don't call themselves Democrats; they're progressives. Yes. I mean, I mean, I get the emails from these from the Democratic Socialists and the Working Families Party. They're attacking Democrats all the time. Well, what was amazing to me is that when they attack uh, Jay Jacobs with this petition. At first, when I heard there was a petition, I thought it was from Democrats that thought that he didn't sound the alarm enough when Zeldin was starting to catch up. But actually, it was the reverse. I don't even really know what they were criticizing him for. Scapegoat. It's all about scapegoating. Those congressional candidates did not lose to leftist Republicans. They lost because they got caught behind leftist Democrats. That's what happened. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that was... And that was the threat to Hochul, too, right? I mean, Zeldin, Zeldin was talking primarily, almost exclusively at times, about one thing, crime. crime. And, and that's the issue where clearly Democrats are vulnerable. I mean, Joe Biden hurried up to try to say, we're not for defunding the police. Remember when Adams was elected, Biden came and going to be surrounded by American flags and police officers and all of that. I mean, this is a really vulnerable issue. You look at what's going on in Philadelphia. I mean, sometimes it's easier to understand these things at a distance, right? The Philadelphia now has more murders than New York. It has more shootings in New York. It's got a million and a half people. And Philadelphians, a very democratic city, uh, are uh, Pennsylvanians, I should say, are impeaching the, the Philadelphia DA because he is one of those Alvin Bragg types yeah. who doesn't believe that most criminals are criminals and wants to not prosecute them, wants to release them. Uh, and we saw that in San Francisco, too, where they recalled the DA. So th- there is there is this thing in, in these Democratic cities about not prosecuting, about coddling criminals, about giving criminals more rights uh, as a, and taking taking some of that protection from the victims. I mean, it, it's it's hard to believe it's even happening. It's so stupid when, when we see the impact of it on society at large. Michael Goodwin, thank you so much for speaking out for all New Yorkers and all Americans all the time. And God bless you. And I hope we get peace in New York. Thank you very much, John. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line with us, we have Bert Flickinger. He's a top uh, consumer expert, when, especially when it comes to what's going on across the country and about trends. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Uh, thank you, Lydia. Great to team up with you and John and uh, Judge and uh, Chairman uh, Ed and, and your great team in the studio, uh, the Bernard McGurk Memorial Studio. God bless McGur- Bernie McGurk and his family. So, uh, Bert Flickinger, tell us what will inflation do to Thanksgiving? I mean, it's less than a week away, and I'm seeing the prices in the grocery store already, and it's like mind boggling. Lydia, you're facing a cost of living uh, a crunch of unprecedented proportions. The cost uh, for Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, Kwanzaa, just for food, is is going to be about eighteen hundred dollars per family, November, December versus twelve hundred. Uh, prior year, consumer savings has dropped from 26% down to 3%. Consumer credit is increased by uh, 23%, and it's like the Grateful Dead song. 
uh, trouble behind, trouble ahead. Uh, we're uh, going to be heading into a recession uh, that we haven't seen in literally 40 years. And uh, Thanksgiving's going to be the capper because uh, things like cranberries have doubled. Cranberries, uh, Triscuits have almost doubled. Turkey prices have almost doubled. You can save a lot of money at Christie's and D'Agostino's, uh, but the uh, growers and brands are price gouging of unprecedented proportions, too. Well, uh, I, I did uh, hear that New York is cheaper than the rest of the country, that the, the rest of the country, uh, the prices for Thanksgiving are much higher. John, uh, you're completely correct. Prices are cheaper in New York. At the same time, as you know well, uh, everyone from Rite Aid to Target is reporting that $100,000 of merchandise is being stolen per store per month. And just how that's affecting inflation for consumers, for every $300 that's stolen by a thief in a given store, uh, that store has to sell $30,000 of merchandise just to break even from that $300 uh, uh, theft. So you've you've got record. I understand uh, the drugstores are closing stores all over. I heard Rite Aid's are closing all over. John, thousands of stores are closing, and th- uh, tens of thousands of people be put out of work because uh, the crime at Rite Aid uh, could force an otherwise viable company into bankruptcy. And Walmart apparently has lost hundreds of millions of dollars, Bert, on and, uh, and Target, Target, and Target too. Crap. Judge and John, uh, you're absolutely right. And uh, Walmart's suffering from crime, uh, but also people can't afford to buy their everyday low-priced products. Walmart's inventory's up over 25% versus prior year, and Target's inventory's up over, unsold inventory's up over 36% versus prior year. Anything else? we got another minute left. Anything else uh, you want to tell the American people? Uh, the key thing, uh, John, is is what you always uh, guide consumers so well is uh, buy now uh, and uh, keep extra inventory at home because while the prices are high in November, they're going to be even higher in December and even higher next year. Well, thank you, Bert Flickinger, uh, for, and uh, we'll catch up with you uh, real fast uh, and real good. Maybe I'll see you Saturday morning for breakfast. You never know. Yes, sir, and have a blessed Thanksgiving, the entire team, and especially blessed Thanksgiving for all generations of the great uh, McGurk family, too. Well, thank you so much, uh, Bert Flickinger, and uh, we'll catch up again. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is... Uh, the Democratic Party, with the high, you know, they won. I mean, uh, there was no red wave. Well, but but yet we still had outrageous inflation that was supposed to give us a big red wave. Why didn't it happen? Bad and, candidates, bad quality candidates. I, I don't understand it. The the especially Arizona. I mean, they're being invaded. They're being invaded. The drugs are coming across the border. How can a border state that's being invaded by terrorists, by, 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 by both Democratic? I just don't understand it. They were brainwashed. I think the voters. No, I can understand other states voting Democratic and don't have the problems. I think the problem in Arizona is that there was an antagonistic candidate. And I think, honestly, right. Americans have kind of calmed down a little bit. Even President Trump sounded a lot calmer when he was speaking the other night. And I think people are tired of this continuous acrimony. 
and she's going the other way, and now I hear she's contesting the election, that that's not going to uh, change anything. You're right. It, people it, it, people are tired candidates. of it. I understand we have Dr. Mark Siegel on the phone. Oh, have, we haven't talked to him in a while. He was a, Were you traveling in Italy and things like that? Were you enjoying life? Of course, same as you. I tried to get to Greece, but they said I couldn't get in without a pass from you, John. But, <laughs> but, but you know what? You, you, you brought me on exactly the right moment because I wrote an article in The Hill a few days ago about kindness. And you were just talking about this. The acrimony is the problem, right? We actually, I wrote a line that you guys are going to like. I was actually for Donald Trump's wall because the wall uh, kept out drugs and maybe illegal immigrants. But you know what? I'm not for the wall between Democrats and Republicans. That has to be torn down. And how about we start every day, uh, you know, basically wishing each other well, thinking what we can learn from someone with a different point of view, exactly what you do on this radio show, John, so well. And I have to tell you something else that you're going to love. I was critical of the idea that John Fetterman was not completely transparent with his health records. And I was worried about the issue of his stroke and his heart and what was going to be. But when he won, I had a revelation. And I wrote this article and I said something that you're not going to hear very often. I said, Senator Fetterman elect, I wish you well. I wish you do the best. I want you to do the best for Pennsylvania. I want you to be a really great senator. And that's what we need to do to heal here. Uh, I understand. I had a uh, I had lunch with a Democratic, me and the judge, with a Democratic uh, senator last week, uh, uh, Tim Kaine, who ran. I had forgotten he had ran for vice president, uh, for with, Hillary vice president with Hillary Clinton. And I said, I, I said, Tim, I said to him, uh, uh, the, the, the U.S. senators are supposed to be a senior statesman of our country. What happened? Mm. You know, what happened? I mean, there are, everybody's at each other's throats. Well, it's like most domestic disputes. There's fault on both sides. Well, I, you know, it didn't come out of nowhere. I also wrote in the piece that, you know, about a week ago, I, I went and saw uh, my friend George W. Bush and Bill Clinton talk together. And those two both tried for consensus. They both tried to build consensus down the middle. And we've lost that. I mean, President Obama didn't do that. He was he was really smart, but he was he was a my way or the highway guy. And then, of course, Trump was a my way or the highway. And, and then Biden is a my way or the highway. And so there's no consensus building. And it's really destructive to our country. The really best example, that kind of cooperation was Gingrich and Clinton. Yeah. After uh, the, the, we had both houses for the first time in 94, we elected both houses with Republican majorities. And, uh, and Gingrich was in the driver's and seat. Reagan and, and Tip O'Neill. Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Exactly Reagan right. Reagan and, Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Perfect examples. I and uh, Thompson and, and uh, Patterson, who were chairs of the state party. We didn't have any fights. <laughs> That's right. We settled all our issues in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> who picked up the check, Governor? Uh, we did. split it. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Siegel, real quick, we are seeing the reports that the flu is making a huge wave, RSV, possibly another wave of, of COVID. Should we be concerned? Some hospitals are overcrowded as it is. Lydia, you had to pull out medicine. I was having such a good time. Well, I got I to gotta help people. Basically, the, we're in trouble with this because 
a lot of the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the school closures and the masking led kids to not be uh, to not see the viruses they usually see and the elderly also. So we're seeing actually 10 times the amount of RSV from elderly people in the hospital that we usually see. And even more than that of young kids flooding the hospital, RSV uh, f- actually clogs little airways in tiny kids. Normally, kids see RSV before the age of two, almost all of them, and get mostly mild cases. We're, we're seeing more severe cases. We don't have a lot of immunity to the flu built up. COVID is coming back. But luckily with COVID, we're not people are not dying of COVID anymore. We're getting used to it. There's immunity in the community. Get your flu shot. Get your COVID booster. And basically, you. you know... We're out of time. Thank you, Dr. Mark Siegel. Thank you for your voice and uh, uh, telling people how to stay well. And uh, thank you uh, in the studio here, uh, Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, Governor Patterson, Lydia Serrani, and God, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American American way. way. God bless America. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.